Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more information and content, or to connect with our worldwide Liquid Church community, log on to liquidchurchonline.com. We need to talk. Sure, I'd love to. I feel we don't communicate. Well, I'm listening now. I'm not upset. Tell me more. I don't know. Do you feel good about us? Is that a trick question? No. Can we talk about it later? Sure, that's fine. Sounds good. Okay, thanks. All right. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hey, uh, I do want to listen to uh, Trash Talk, but before we get started, I do kind of need to just um, uh, kind of talk a little bit about something sensitive, kind of a family uh, issues call timeout to let you in on, uh, on, on something that part of me um, thinks I probably shouldn't say anything, but, you know, we're kind of among family here. Um, Pastor Tom uh, came to me this week, and um, I don't want to break confidence, uh, but he and his wife Erica, uh, after, after 10 years of marriage, are uh, thinking about uh, getting, it's probably no easy way to say this, they're, they're thinking about, and um, that did Sorry, we're having like some mic issues. This is a heck of a time to have mic issues. Is this on, Joel? Um, that just hurt. It hurts my heart to say that. Could you hear me in the back? Is it? Okay. No. Okay, sorry. Of all times. Uh, Pastor Tom and his wife, Erica, they're thinking of actually um, potentially looking at... Um, what is going on here? Do we have a... Well, I said it. Now it's out there. Um, you know, you can, um, so you can pray for them, because uh, I think it's no small decision to consider possibly getting um, a horse. I think that's a, a big family decision you have to come to terms with. What did, what did you think I said, you people? Did you think I said a divorce? No! Tom and Eric, Tom and Eric are happily married. What, I don't know what's wrong with you people. Maybe it's the power of the, psst, come here. I have something to tell you, inside information on somebody in our church that you don't know. And I just tell you because I want you to pray for them with me. Have you ever noticed how churches are breeding grounds for gossip? Um, some of you, by the way, are kind of like, what just happened there? Uh, I do need to let you know that, that Pastor Tom and Erica, they're doing fine. They're having no problems. But it, the church that I grew up in, if you spent time in church circles, it probably isn't the first time you've heard somebody talk trash behind another church person's back, out of godly concern for them. For some reason, churches are breeding grounds for the lot of psst, gossip, slander, backbiting. And the reality is they're not getting a divorce or a horse, although their little girls would probably like that. I want to be very clear about that. The Kang clan are doing just fine, so don't go out of here. But imagine for a moment that if that, my mic hadn't popped on, that you left here today with a question mark in your head. And like, did you, did you hear what Tim said? No, what'd he say? About Pastor Tom. Yeah, it's terrible. Really? What, what'd he say? Well, I can't, 
Well, I probably shouldn't say anything, but uh, no, it's okay. You, you probably want to pray for him too. Um, yeah, I think he said they were splitting up. See, that's how it works in some church circles. The power of the pssst, very godly whisper campaign. What we've been doing with this series is looking at the book of Proverbs and finding in those words of wisdom, particularly this week in chapter 26, what the Bible says of the power of our speech, our language on our relationships. And so what I want to do today is address this issue of gossip, slander, backbiting with some practical examples, and you're going to see something incredible here, how our relationships are deeply impacted not by anything less then what we say and what we screen out. This is powerful. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter 26. I want to show you this um, because this is a critical passage that just draws it to the surface about how we have a, a purpose to our speech to communicate goodness, not gossip, sincerity, not slander. And um, we'll read this passage together. Proverbs 26, starting at verse 22. It says, the words of a, what? Of a gossip are like choice morsels they go down to a man's inmost parts. And you notice the word choice morsels there, you can circle it. Um, The Hebrew for that would be tasty tidbits. That's why we call gossip dish. We like to dish the dirt about other people. And the Proverbs writer is like, some of us have a hard time pushing away from the table. That's why some of you leaned in for the first time in church when I started out. Because it's so delicious to hear inside info about others. Verse 23 says, like a coating of glaze over earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. Now, this is a very interesting image, and we're going to kind of excavate that in a minute. I'll get into this, but but notice the second part of the verse. Fervent lips reveal an evil heart. In other words, the Bible we saw last week, it's constantly linking the words that come out of our mouth with what's really in our what? In our heart. Last week we saw how this played out, how the words we speak in everyday life can either bless and and deepen and heal relationships or reveal something very toxic about them. What's happening in here? How about this week? What story would the words you spoke this week tell about the condition of your heart? Are the words you spoke this week to to your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your roommate, your siblings, full of light and truth and love or darkness and deceit? Verse 24 says this, a malicious man does what he disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors deceit. Though his speech is charming, do not believe him. Do you see the issues that are being raised here by the Proverbs writer? He's talking about gossip, slander, flattery even, using words to wound or manipulate others, which is utterly toxic to relationships. If you look at verse 28, he finishes with this. He says, a lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works what? Ruin. It's not a pretty picture, is it? The power of the pssst. (laughs) Proverbs is really calling out three mouth cancers that each of us is susceptible to, and that's gossip, slander, and flattery, which kind of go under the umbrella of insincerity in our speech, and that's really what I want to talk about today. How do we speak the God's honest truth to one another? If you're familiar with the teaching of Jesus, he said, I am the way and the what? The truth and the life. In other words, God's very essence, his character is truth. There is no shadow or dark side to him. And as his children, we're called to speak goodness, not gossip. So how we handle the truth, how we talk to one another, how we talk about one another, how we manipulate or distort that is at the center of our faith. That's really our father's hope for his children, that speaking the truth in love, we will in all things, what? Grow up. And to him who is the head, that is Christ. Do you notice how scripture equates our ability 
to speak the truth in love with Christian maturity. It says that's, that's what that is equivalent. You know you're grown up when you speak the truth in love, but you might be like, well, what does that mean practically speaking? Like speak the truth in love, does it mean like be more polite, say only nice things to other people? No, 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 that's not it at all. That's sentimentality. But Paul's talking about speaking with sincerity. Romans 12, 9 defines love this way. It simply says, love must be, what's the word? Sincere. And here's our question of the day for you. How would people in your life describe you? Would they say you are sincere? Sincerity was a big deal in the ancient world. These Proverbs are over 4,000 years old. And in that culture, as an oral culture, your word was considered your bond. Big deal. Sincerity. But being sincere has kind of lost its meaning in our 21st century culture of spin and sarcasm. And so a lot of people equate it with like, well, I guess it means being serious. But that completely misses the ancient meaning of the word sincerity. To understand that, we've got to travel way back, about 3,000 years, to this. Some of you may recall this comparison. A couple of years ago, I explained how our words are compared in the ancient writings to a piece of pottery that was covered with a glaze. This is what you're going to see in verse 23 in a minute. That's where the ancients originally got the concept of sincerity, being sincere with our words. Let me remind you again of where this word comes from. Check this out. There's this letter that appeared in ancient Rome around 57 AD. It was attributed to the Apostle Paul. And at the center of this letter was the phrase, love must be sincere. Now that word sincere actually comes from two Latin words, sine sera. It literally means without wax. Now that phrase without wax refers to the ancient practice of pottery making. And it really described how you could tell an authentic piece from an inferior version or a second rate version of pottery. Now obviously a piece of pottery without cracks in it was worth a lot more than one with flaws. So what people did was they would take wax and actually fill in all of the cracks. They'd actually fill them in, glaze it over with wax. And with wax they could actually pass off a cheap piece of pottery as worth a lot more than it actually was. That's where the word sincere comes from, sine sera, without wax. In order to differentiate between the genuine article and a cracked version, the ancients state up the words sine sera to show that this was in fact authentic and not doctored. Love must be sine sera, authentic, without wax. Each of us is like that, I guess. We all have chips and dents. Some of us have deeper cracks than others, I guess. And it's natural to want to cover them up wax them over, spin our words, to make us look better than we are. So at work or school, if a project is successful, I'll overinflate my role in it. You know, exaggerate the success or blow up the part that I played so that I come out looking pretty good. It's called spin, putting wax over our lives in order to emphasize our successes. Or if we come up short, we leave things out, cover over the little details that make us look bad so we don't have to take full responsibility. I did this early in my marriage all the time. You guys, I've told you about this. I had a huge problem being late. And so when I get home late, it's a big deal for my wife. And I would pull into the driveway and instantly begin spinning the story I'd tell her to divert attention from the fact that I forgot about her. I'd spin a story. I'd, I'd emphasize things. Well, you should have seen the traffic on 287. Or I'd say, uh, 
Uh, well, Mikey wanted to talk after the meeting with me, and that was true, but it was my decision. I'd even sometimes use religious wax to cover over things. Like, well, so-and-so had a crisis, and I had to stay and pray with them. Now, how can a good Christian wife get mad at that? Wax is good if you don't care about trust, about sincerity. True love must be sincera, without wax, sincere. People nowadays can smell spin or hypocrisy a mile away. I think because we live in a culture of spin, our generation longs for authenticity more than anything else. I mean, what would it be like to live authentic lives, to live sinisera without wax? What would it be like to love sinisera? I mean, just admitting our flaws instead of covering them over, where our words were pure and true, absolutely sincere. Jesus had a lot to say about authenticity about the power of plain spoken truth. He said, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. See, when we truly believe our identity comes from God and not other sources, we're free to live sinisera without wax. As a child of God, we don't have to pretend or posture to make ourselves look better than we are. I mean, we're valuable because we're God's handiwork. He's the potter, Scripture says, and we are His creation. We have value. That's what gives us worth. I mean, as somebody who's forgiven by Christ, we can be honest about our flaws and our failings on the inside that people can't see because we're forgiven. And the truth is, we're all, we're all cracked pots. And He's putting us back together piece by piece. As Peter wrote in his letter, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. God designed you to live and to love sincere, sincerely from the heart without wax. How would others describe what it's like to be friends with you, to work with you, to be to be married to you. I mean, would they would they say you're authentic, that you live sincerely, that your words and your actions are sinna Sarah? Or are you covering your cracks? Love must be sinna Sarah, sincere, without a glaze or a, a sheen, a spin over them, without wax. Are you sincere? I mean, right now, if I asked you, turn to your neighbor, tell them something sincere. Could you, would you be able to actually say something authentic from, from your heart? I mean, typically we start our services, we kind of have that meet and greet time. We say, turn to your neighbor and say, how are you doing? Can you imagine if we actually answered each other how we are actually doing? I mean, most of the time it's, it's superficial kind of pleasantries like, oh, awesome, I had a great weekend with the wife and kids. Yeah, truth be told, I'm seething at her. Those kids have taken me to my limit. I'm about to crush them. You know, but otherwise, everyone, otherwise, everything's going pretty good. Thanks for asking. What would you do with that, right? If you told the God's honest truth, and that's why we don't. That's why we, that's why we tend to talk without sincere, with wax. We, and yet scripture says love must be sincere. That's what verse 23 is getting at. Look at your proverb. Now you understand this? It says, like a coating of glaze over earthenware. They're like, like a slick glaze over, over a clay pot are fervent lips with an evil heart. In other words, it's highlighting the truth that from 4,000 years ago, we use our words to conceal, to manipulate, and, and glaze over the truth of what's really inside. And that's mainly because we live in a culture of spin, right? Now, we learned to do this very innocently from an from a early age on. My little boy, Dell, 
five years old, he used to love to come in and jump on my bed and he'd give me a big kiss in the morning. And on Saturdays, you know, you don't shower, you kind of bum around the house, at least we do in our house. And, uh, and so I would drink my coffee, then I'd have like, you know, an onion bagel, I wouldn't brush my teeth, and he'd jump on my lap and give me a big kiss, I love you, daddy, and then he'd go, go oh, daddy's breath stinks, you know, and he'd start that thing, he'd be like, stinks, 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 daddy stinks, and you know, it's kind of like, he, he like licks the potty talk, and so my wife called, and she goes, Del, you don't say that, don't say, you know, so-and-so stinks, don't say daddy stinks, you're not going to use that language, so it was hilarious, because uh, when he came back a couple of weekends after that incident, um, same thing, I had like a whitefish bagel, you know, and no brushing of the teeth, he comes in, and before he gives me a kiss, he goes, daddy, do you want a mint? And I look at my wife, and she's like, I'm trying. I'm working with him, you know? It's like she gave him a little spin, a creative way to kind of cloak the truth about my halitosis. And uh, that's harmless enough, but you let spin invade your, your, your life, it's deadly. Because suddenly spin, not, not sincerity, becomes the way that you position and project yourself to other people. Um, if you've been covering the oil spill in the Gulf, who's watched that on the news? I mean, you know, oil is, like the, is not the slickest thing about that whole thing. They had congressional hearings on Capitol Hill this week. You see that? They bring in the CEOs, uh, you know, before Congress. Who's responsible here? And you've got BP, OceanQuest, and like Halliburton. How, did you see how nervous these guys looked? It was amazing. They're like long-tailed cats in a rocking chair uh, factory, you know? They're like, <gasps> and they start literally, they're like, well, you know, it's our oil, BC says, but it's their rig. We didn't build the rig. It's their rig. And Ocean Quest's like, yeah, it's our rig, but uh, Halliburton didn't have the uh, blowout preventer. And they start p- pointing fingers, and they start spinning, and they go, well, you know, this is an amazing corporate challenge we're facing. Corporate challenge. How about ecological disaster of the millennium? Nobody wants to take uh, actual responsibility for it. No one wants to tell the truth, and there's all this spinning. And that's how it works in the world, in business and politics. If you're going to be successful, you've got to be able to spin. You ever watch political debates? You talk about spin, man. You watch CNN election season, you're going to get dizzy. After the debates, there's actually a place called the spin room where each camp sends out kind of a talking points person who, who says, well, you know, the candidate would really say this, but his opponent said this, and I think if we take that there out of context because we're a soundbite culture. And our leaders always are teaching us that what we say, the truth that we espouse, is open to interpretation. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. What, I mean, depends. What is, is, you know? Now, look, I love politics. I just view it through Proverbs 20, 23. Let's read this aloud together. Can we read this? Like a coating of glaze over earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. Wouldn't watching politics be great if they had that proverb scrolling at the bottom of the screen? Like during the debates, just kind of scrolling at the bottom. In fact, that's the antithesis of sincerity. When we frame our position or our words based on what we think will sell, right? Well, I can't, I had some friends say that. Well, you know, I can't tell my wife that. She'd never buy it, right? Consumerism. We can't tell them that. It'd tank our deal, man. We got to sell them on it. Spin, not sincerity, leaks over into every area of our life. Think about at work. Maybe you spin. Maybe you exaggerate your position. Oh, yeah, what I do, it's quite incredible. I'm the intergalactic, uh, you know, emperor of the Death Star uh, over at uh, Verizon. And, uh, and, and if a project happens, we want to grab credit for it as a way of stepping over others. Or if you're looking for a job, maybe add a little wax to your resume before it gets started. Shine it up. This is what I did, you know. I was... Or we add wax to our relationships. If you're dating, maybe you avoid full disclosure of your past because you're afraid that someone may reject you or dump you if you really spoke sinicera without wax. So we cover over our cracks with a little bit of wax and wonder why the relationship always seems to crumble when it gets a little bit farther down the road. Like a coating of glaze over earthenware. 
are fervent lips with an evil heart? Is your faith sincere, sincere, or do you spin to cover up the cracks and the flaws? Because there's a life without wax, and there's a life that is actually grounded in the truth of Christ, in who you are as a child of God. And there's, there's, that's where gossip, that's where backbiting, that's where exaggeration comes from. All those insecurities and jealousies and hurts in our heart that wonder that somebody is out there saying, Psst, yeah, but did you hear the truth about Chris? Forget Kevin. He can never be. How would others in your life describe you? Do you live in a no-spin zone? Or is your life more slick, kind of like that oil spill? Quick quiz for you. Uh, those of you who are phys ed majors will enjoy this. What is the, the, the muscle in your body that has the most power? Muscle in your body with the most power. Pound, you know, inch for inch. Legs? Neck? Torso? <laughs> tongue? Let's see what God's word said. Put your finger in Proverbs. I'm going to ask you to flip over to James chapter 3. It's on page 838. We're going to toggle back and forth. We're going to read this. Notice the heading is taming the tongue. It gives you a hint. James writes this. He says, when we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. So imagine that. This massive animal with this tiny little bit. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the what? The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes what? Great boasts. According to scripture, the most powerful muscle in your body is this thing right here. You see, everyone stick out your tongue at your neighbor. Go ahead, do it right now. You've been wanting to do it all service. Stick your tongue out at your neighbor and go, I'm powerful. I'm so powerful. <laughs> the smallest part of your body can set the direction of your whole life. You control the tongue, you control the man. Verse 5 says, consider what a great forest is set on, spire, on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. We saw this last week. A world of evil among the parts of the body it corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Gossip, slander, boasting, exaggeration, criticism. When we use words to rip others or boost ourselves, the impact, the ripple effect in our relationships is devastating. Uh, you may remember watching um, news about the wildfires in California uh, a year ago. It caused by a small campfire. Eventually, thousands of acres were blackened. They actually shut down the entire Pacific Coast Highway. Remember this? From above San Francisco all the way down, the ash drifted to L.A. over a billion dollars in damage. That's, that's what a wildfire is. It just starts very small, but it spreads easily. And James is referring here to the fire of the tongue, to gossip or slander. When we criticize, not that one, when we go, Psst, we break confidence. Something someone told us in private, we share publicly with another out of concern. Flip back to Proverbs 26. Look at this. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without what? Gossip. A quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Do you notice the incendiary imagery being repeated over and over in the Old and New Testament? That's what gossip does. It burns up relationships and reputations. Now, the truth is, we live in a TMZ world. Who watches TMZ? Just be honest for a moment. No, I have no idea, Pastor Tim. I don't have a television. I don't know. Right. <laughs> gossip magazines, gossip girl. We have kind of made talking trash about others the norm. And maybe you've heard it said some, well, it's not gossip if it's the truth. False. <laughs> if someone shares intimate information with you in confidence and you share it with others, it's a breach of trust. And the Bible's like, it spreads like wildfire. It's human nature. Proverbs 16, 20. I love this. This is like my favorite verse about this. It says, a perverse man 
stirs up dissension, stirs up the pot. And the gossip does what? He separates close friends. In other words, one of the surest ways to drive a wedge in a relationship is to share with others publicly what's been told to you privately. And this is a deeply spiritual issue. You may be sitting here right now and being like, why are you making such a big deal about this? Maybe you're new and you're like, do they have a gossip problem in this church? This may, this, the early church, 2,000 years later, gossip was one of the main threats to its survival. In his letter to the church at Corinth, Paul wrote this. I love this. He says, I'm afraid when I come to you, I may find out that you're not as I want to be. He says, I fear that there may be, what does he say? Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, what? Slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. In other words, the issue of gossip, it's as old as the church itself. Check this out. The Greek word for whispering. I want to show you a little Greek. Can we say this together? You probably don't know how to say it. I'll pronounce it for you. Sitherisma. Can we say that together? Sitherisma. Let's say it three times really fast. Sitherisma. 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 Do you notice the sound that it makes? Sitherisma. Kind of like whispering. It's one of those words that sounds like it's meaning. That's called onomatopoeia. Go English majors. This. Yeah. Woo. Onomatopoeia. Finally worked it in. Awesome. Um, this is where we get from the greek word for whispering or talking under your breath so that others can't hear you and paul's like early people in the early church they love talking trash behind each other's backs and i guess that they probably disguise it the way that we do it today right i'm only telling you this so you can pray about so and so right as robert morris notes in his book the power of words here's a great way to test yourself before you're about to use the rationalization, if I'm telling you this so you can pray for so-and-so, um, before you tell your juicy stuff, say, am I praying about it? <laughs> then be gut-level honest with God with your answer. If you have not spent significant time on your knees over the situation, you're just gossiping, and it's wrong. What's more, it is deadly. Have you ever heard someone begin their, their, their conversation with you saying, you know, I probably shouldn't say anything, but... That's the moment you go, don't. <laughs> you have to be super vigilant. If someone comes to you and opens up, for instance, about, uh, say they open up about their relationship or their marriage. I mean, you want to show support, but the Bible says you don't ever endorse division in that relationship. Be very wary of the effect that your words will have. Proverbs ten nineteen says this, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is what? Wise. I actually thought about going to the butcher and buying a giant cow's tongue and holding it on stage. And then I was like, someone's going to barf. I'm not going to do it. But you can envision it. (laughs) If someone tells you about problems they're having in their relationship, a biblical response, quite honestly, is, you know, boy, it, it, it sounds really hard right now, but you need to honor your husband. Or I can understand how she's hurt you, but you need to speak well of your ex because she's God's daughter, not your ex. Don't get caught up in trash talk. Even when emotions are running high, the Bible says when words are many, the more you talk, what? Sin isn't absent. But he who holds this thing is wise. What's the point of all these Proverbs? The point is this. Some of us are spinners. And some of us are smashers. We like to use words to slice and dice because it makes us feel better. And then we coat over our cracks with ourselves so we shine and glisten really, really, really good. Sincerity says you live in a no-spin zone without wax. It also means you live in a no-slice zone 
without gossip, without slander, or flattery, charming words that have an ulterior motive. And maybe you've had that uh, experience before, too. I have a brand-new guy uh, came to our church early last year, uh, introduced himself to me after the service, immediately started making all these, like, incredible comments about how great the church was. He says, this is, like, the best preaching I've ever heard. Or like, oh, okay, I'll come back next week, you know. Uh, he wrote me emails about how this is the church I've been looking for my whole life, Pastor Tim. He's like, can we meet for coffee? And a little red flag honestly went up for me because his enthusiasm seemed disproportionate to, like, what was going on. But I, you know, I met him, and when I met him, he put a briefcase on the table and said, Pastor Tim, I want you to know that I support the vision of this church 100%, and I feel led to really support it in a tangible way. I want to help fund the vision of this church. And he pushes this briefcase towards me, and I'm like, is this the mob? What is, you know, like, you know, is it full of money or something? It's like Pulp Fiction, like a briefcase opens kind of thing. And he pops it out and puts on the table vitamin supplements. And he says, uh, I want to help bless everyone at Liquid by offering my vitamin program at a deeply discounted price, brother. And of course, all of his compliments suddenly started to make sense, right? And so when I politely, you know, declined to, you know, pimp out our congregation, um, <laughs> he didn't come back to church, which tells you something about the sincerity, the sincerity of his offer. Sometimes we use kind words for manipulative purposes. See, the truth is very tricky, guys. Think of it this way. This, is, this may be helpful to you. Um, flattery is saying something to someone's face that you'd never say behind their back. Slander is saying something behind someone's back that you'd never say to their face. Either way, it's talking trash, with or without wax. We can spin the truth to people's face or slice them to pieces behind their backs. What are you? Spinner or slicer? How would you answer that? Better, better yet, how would your closest friend or the person you're in a relationship with answer that? Um, women, in particular, you need to know. You have incredible power. They say the average woman uses three times as many words per day as men. Do you know that? The average woman uses 20,000 words per day. Men use 7,000. That does not include grunts or go-jets kind of thing, okay? More words... More power. And ladies, you have incredible power to build up or tear down. I mean, if you, if you want to really wound the man in your life, man, highlight his most recent failure. Point out and say, there it is. Dwell on it. Ask him how he could have been so stupid. Better share it with your friends. Put it on Facebook. That's the way to go. <laughs> Rake him over the coals. You want to tank your relationship quick? That's how you do it. But it's a betrayal, isn't it? Of the role that God's given you to what? Build others up. Do you remember from Ephesians? According to what? Their needs. And I'm not just talking about like coddling the male ego, fragile as it is. But part of the ministry of marriage is encouragement. I can't tell you what power Colleen's words have over me. Every week, uh, I, you know, I can, have, I can have 50 people come out to me at the door, shake their hands and say, man, that message changed my life. It was God speaking to me. And I, I applaud that. That's, like, that's more about God, right? I appreciate the encouragement. But honestly, it doesn't impact me that much. When I go home dragging at the end of Sunday night, and I walk in the door, and Colleen, if she just is in the kitchen, and she says, hey, long day. I was at the 1130 service. I'm, I'm, no, I'm proud of you. I felt like you got out of the way, and God really spoke. Man, all of a sudden, I'm like, I can leap a single building, you know, in a bound. I'm Superman, because she breathes the power of sincerity. Proverbs says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Love must be 
sincere. Sinna, Sarah, without wax. Authentic, no spinning, no shredding. Say only what's useful for building others up according to their needs. And here's the deal. We all have needs. Not just married folks. That happens to be my context. I'm using that because that's my main relationship. But when the Apostle Paul wrote, love must be sincere, it actually referred to a brotherly love, not romantic. In other words, it's about learning to speak sincerely to the people in your row, to the people who you do life with, and, and not schmaltzy sentiment that makes us feel good, because sometimes, guys, honestly, it means saying the hard things, the God's honest truth that will grow us up in Christ. Remember, that's the goal of everything, right? Speaking the truth in what? In love. We will in all things grow up into the head who's Christ. Now, what does that look like and how do we do it? Um, let me show you something cool here. This is our last verse. I want you to flip one page over to Proverbs 27, 6. I have this bookmarked. You talk about ancient wisdom. If you're looking for a verse this week, here it is. Write this down. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy what? Multiplies kisses. In other words, Sincerity doesn't mean you avoid saying the hard things. We avoid spin, we avoid slander, but it doesn't mean we avoid conflict. In fact, just the opposite. Living sincerely, the Bible says, without wax, means we tell our friends the God's honest truth even when it hurts. Because it's a defining mark of what? Of Christian love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy is the one who Kisses you in the face. That's how you can tell the difference between an enemy and a friend. An enemy, they say, stabs you where? In the back. According to Proverbs, a friend stabs you where? In the front. I need to tell you this. You have a blind spot. There's something you're not seeing. You're headed down a path. I need to talk to you out of love for you. Here's a question for you. Who in your life has permission to wound you or tell you the God's honest truth. Who is on that short list in your life can speak truth to you? Say the hard things that that maybe you're blind to, even if it it hurts you in the short term. Because they love you in Christ and they're committed to your long-term growth. This is hard, folks. This is, in my opinion, this is like maybe the hardest thing we have to do as we share life together here in Christian community at Liquid. In fact, I had to do this um, this spring um, with a close friend who was in a situation that was literally just, I was watching them. They were like, drifting further and further away from God, and it was one of the most difficult conversations I have ever had. I will not wax that for you, okay? It was hard, because I don't like conflict. (laughs) I think I've told you before, I'm kind of a recovering people pleaser. When something like goes awry in the life of someone that we like, or we admire, or we care about, you know what? I'm not anxious to like step into that and speak the truth. In fact, the more I care about the person, the more reluctant I am sometimes to say something, because we rationalize, well, I don't want to hurt, you know, their feelings, but it's not honest, is it? Or loving. The truth is, we don't like conflict because we think we might risk offending them if we shoot straight. But if a true friend is called to speak the truth in love, even if it's painful, and you know what? The conversation I had with him was. It was painful. It was awkward. It was tense. There were tears. And emotions were raw. You know why? Because there was love. Because there was love, it was my brother, not my physical brother, a spiritual brother, and there was actually care and concern. And if you care, you're willing to wound a friend. I did not say everything exactly the right way. And quite honestly, I'm still praying. It's a live issue. I'm praying for the risk that I took. We'll move our relationship to the next level. I'm hopeful. I'm praying, and it's still wet cement. But you know what? I know 
I know, I went home, knowing in my heart, I loved my friend well. Because I didn't go to others to talk about them. Well, did you hear about... I didn't offer to just, I'll pray for you about that. I went to him in love as a brother in Christ, as a friend who cares. And wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. If you want to test the strength of your relationship, here's the question. Who's willing to tell you the hard stuff? (laughs) An enemy tells you what you want to hear. A friend tells you what you need to hear. And to remain silent when a friend is drowning is a betrayal of brotherly love. You are abandoning your God-given role as a truth bearer in their life. And here's the deal. Can I just call this out since we're just being honest? I'm just going to call this out. (laughs) This is more art than it is science. I have seen this done badly. (laughs) Christians are notorious about this conflict resolution. I sometimes cringe when someone says to me, you know what? That's it, Tim. Today is the day God spoke to me. I'm going to confront my ex. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go Matthew 18 on her butt, man. I'm going to, uh, and I'm bringing two or three witnesses just like the Bible says to do. I'm, I'm like, are you, are you like talking about the gospel or a drive-by shooting? What is, like, what? <laughs> I mean, what is it appropriate to speak the truth and love to a friend? When, it, when is it appropriate to wound them? Here's the answer. When the risk of saying nothing is more devastating than the risk of saying it imperfectly. When the short-term damage from speaking the truth and love imperfectly is less than the long-term destruction that comes from saying nothing at all. Speaking the truth and love is one of the key ways we imitate Christ. When we meet a brother or a sister at the point of their greatest failure, and we say, you know what? I accept you as you are. I, you don't have to change for me to love you, but I love you too much to let you go this way without saying something. You're destroying yourself. And God be my witness, if I, I'm not going to let you go over the cliff without saying something. Your marriage is going to tank if you keep up that critical spirit. I see it in his eyes. You're just chipping away at him. The way you're handling your business is unethical. I get it. In your industry, that's like standard. But it's not in the kingdom of God. And you're betraying Christ. I'm sorry. I, I know you're lonely. In fact, I can't imagine how lonely you are. I'm married. You're not. But sleeping with him or her, it's going to drive you farther from God and you will wind up lonelier than ever in the long run. You know this. This isn't my opinion. It's God's honest truth. Sinicera. Without wax. Who can do that in your life? Better yet, who are you called to speak the truth and love to? Here's the challenge I want to leave you with. Two groups of people today. Everyone in this room probably falls into one of two categories. And I'm not going to wax this. I'll just speak plainly. There are those of us, quite honestly, I don't know how to say this. I'll say it spiritually. There are those of us who need to shut up and have our tongues pierced with a cross. And there are those of us who need to speak up and speak words of truth in love to those of us who are closest in your lives and are headed down the wrong path. Shut up. Or speak up, which is God calling you to do. It's not enough to empathize. Well, I feel bad for them. You know, if you have a friend who's failing or drifting into destruction, you see their life rump, you need to say something. Don't wait till I cover it in a sermon. I'm just a pastor. You are their friend. Wounds from a what? From a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. Shut up or 
speak up. As we discuss, I can't believe that's the application point from the Bible. Is that amazing? <laughs> As we discuss this in our life groups this week, I want to leave you with this question. Do you have people in your life who have permission to wound you, to speak the truth to you? Who is on that short list? What are their names and their faces right now as you think about that? I have five uh, people like that, four men, one woman. I'll let you guess who she is. Four men who I've intentionally invited and actually empowered to speak into me. We've traveled some miles together. They know me. They trust me. I have a high level of, of, of trust with them. And we've, we've given permission to speak into one another, even if it hurts. Actually, check that, especially if it hurts. Not because we're masochists, but because we are committed to staying faithful to Christ, to our wives, to one another, to this church. And those guys don't just tell me what I want to hear. They have permission to tell me, what I need to hear. I've given them permission to speak up. And sometimes they say, Tim, you need to shut up. Do you have someone in your life like that? If you don't, you're vulnerable. Maybe it's someone in your life group who you, who you resonate with. There's a natural friendship developing. Who has permission to stab you in the front? My wife does. Sometimes it seems to come very naturally to her. I don't know if that's... <laughs> Just kidding. Here's my question. As you have heard God's word today... Which of these do you need to do? Do you need to, to consider shutting up or speaking up? I want to end by making this very personal and challenge you to think right now of one specific person in your life to whom you can apply this. One person, maybe, maybe you're like, oh my goodness, I can't even believe this. You're looking down, you can't meet me in the eyes because you're like, that's me. I've had loose lips for a while. It's one of, oh, gossip, stronghold. I want you to think about that. Is, is, is there one person who maybe you need to shut up about? You need to stop running down your ex, complaining about your boss, fighting with your brother or sister, or, or did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, kind of, they kind of dissed me. Or, 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 hey, if you're parents and you have adult children and you like can't let go, you want to keep your hooks in them, you may need to just shut up and let go. They need to be, be, be out on their own and quite honestly deal with some of the consequences of their life. If that's you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the pen that you have right now. I want you to click it. I want you to write down the words, shut up on your program today. And I want you to write their initials down because it's sensitive. Don't write their name, okay, right now. Don't look what everyone else is writing. Just write down their initials. And I want the rest of you to click your pen and I want you to write the words, speak up on your program. (laughs) Because right now, my guess is we all have someone in our life, a friend, a coworker, someone in our family who we know is going down a bad road. And, and, and maybe you're thinking like, well, maybe I should say something, but I don't know if it's my place to, 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 to say anything. Consider this the confirmation from God. <laughs> you need to speak up and you need to speak what? The truth in love. Write down their initials right now. God wants to speak to them this week. And guess what? It's through you. You're an oracle. You're a prophet. Each of us is leaving today with a challenge to shut up and speak up to one person in our life. And and my hope is that you're going to take the next step today, this week. Uh, Maybe it is on your car ride home. Maybe it's tomorrow at the office or school. Um, The Bible's just really clear. It doesn't code it. Love must be what? Sincere. Sinna, Sarah. No spin, no slander, no silence, just honesty. God's honest truth above all else. I want to pray for you right now, and I want to pray, specifically ask God for courage, for him to speak words of courage into you as you have those conversations this week. So let's bow our heads, okay, all our campuses, and pray together. God, we just thank you for not sugarcoating up, but telling us the truth. God, you spoke that to me this week. Um, I'm a guy who who talks more, and sometimes um, that's when sin happens in my life. 
Lord, so I need you to control my speech, my lips, um, what people say to me in private, Lord, where that needs to end. I need to take that more to you, and so I confess that to you. Lord, there are people right now who are feeling the exact same way. They know that. And Lord, you haven't come to make them guilty, but you have come to make them free. So Lord, I pray right now for courage. Would you breathe the the strength and the power of your Holy Spirit right now into their lives? That this week you would put a bridle on their tongue. That you would throw a red or a yellow flag, Lord, even as they speak this week around the lunch table with friends. You'd cut off gossip, Lord. Dig trenches so there's no wildfires that spread. God, give them courage. I pray right now for the people who are holding in their hands the initials of someone who they know you are calling them to speak up to. Lord, would you give them the metal, the courage to speak the truth in love? God, you said that um, when your spirit's in us, we don't need to practice or rehearse a speech, but you'll tell us what to say. And that's what I pray this week. Would you give Holy Spirit conversations all over the place? Open up conversations in families. Let healing begin, Father. Would you let correction happen? You, you correct those you love. Help us to understand we are our brothers and sisters keeper. Lord, bind all this together. I've said this so imperfectly, God, but I pray that your word would just fill in all the gaps. Thank you so much for your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Audio. If this message has touched you, we'd love to know how. Just email Pastor Dave Adamson at churchonline at liquidchurch.com. For more information and content, or to connect with our worldwide Liquid Church community, log on to liquidchurchonline.com.